iPhones down, microphones up. We're back. Cocktails and questions. Season two, episode three. Um, back in the studio with the usual gang, James, Ben, sound engineer, Austin. And keeping with the theme of last week's cocktail of tequila, we woke up this morning. It was a balmy 40-something degrees in the hill country. Purr. So <laughs> and it's so cold. mildly flooding all over central Texas. Slight to moderate. <laughs> Slight to moderate chance of flooding. Um, which has inspired today's cocktail, which is one of my favorites, which is very simply hot coffee and tequila. Learned about it in Mexico. Changed my life. Yeah. Does anybody else actually drink that besides you? Probably not. I okay. think it was a trick when I was in Mexico. I thought they you were go, joking when you told us this is what we're drinking. No, I, th- I think it was a trick. <laughs> Pretty damn said, delicious, though. They go, this gringo ate the worm out of the mezcal <laughs> bottle. Give him some, see if he'll drink tequila with coffee, and it ended up changing my life. So we're here. For the better, better, right? That's right. That's right. Not for the, the worst. The biggest problem is I don't actually drink coffee, so I haven't had caffeine in about <laughs> 40 years. That's so amazing. Get on that spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Uh, speaking of it being 48 degrees, that means it's October. Uh Technically, <laughs> middle of it coming up on Halloween, which is coming up on scary things. Speaking of scary, think about the election cycle that's coming up. And so, Oof. if it's our job to talk about uh, culture, business, and technology, I think some of the recent headlines about hackable voting systems um, coming off the tail of the ever ongoing Russian scandal, Hillary's emails, all that stuff. And, you know, this happened not too long ago, and we're two years down the road, and I don't know if much has changed. You know, I don't think they ever um, got. To the bottom of all of those fake votes that were cited in the last one. Did they? Did they ever do that? I think they just wait for people to forget. I think they do. <laughs> and I think they're like, ah, eh, they'll get over yeah, it. Never mind. Hanging Chad. Hanging Chad. That's right. So, um, looking at it, we've got early voting starting on November first. Is that correct? Uh, yep. So that means the t- the clock is ticking. Um, and uh, if if history is any teacher, um, everybody's be everybody's gonna be really excited. Lots of money's gonna get spent, and then. Will people show up for the polls? Is going to be the big question. About midterm elections. If if Facebook is any teacher, there's a lot of angry people out there, or maybe just in my social network. What do you guys think? I think that people are a lot more angry on Facebook than they are compelled to actually get off their ass and go vote. <laughs> so uh, I think that's pretty. I think that's probably uh, what we'll see in the polls. But you know what I'm most interested in is where does where does this go? So we talk a lot about technology. We talk a lot about culture, and I think there's nothing you know more tied into the idea of America than, you know, democracy and this sort of freedom of expression, but also freedom to express your political beliefs and actually go out and make change by voting. Um, But voting is about as old school as it ever has been. I mean, I think the last time I went, there was actually like a, you know, Wacom tablet from like 1989 that I touched a button on. But other than that, like there's nothing that different. So we're seeing some new things this year in the election. Is that foreshadow where we're going? So there's a lot that's happening in West Virginia. Yeah, uh, West Virginia is now uh, sort of counterintuitively the breeding ground for the question as to whether or not blockchain can potentially be the salvation of and, and mobile voting, digital voting. Just, yeah. just in it, in and of itself, right? So the, one of the things we talk about a lot is customer expectations and what they've been able to do, they, they piloted this program, right? Is for overseas absentee voters in this, in a county in, in West Virginia, uh, and it leveraged, I believe a, a company called votes, V O A T Z. Voats. Voats. I think Voats. That's how it's pro- I'm sure that's how it's pro- pronounced. If that company started just a few years ago, there'd be no vowels in it. Remember that trend? V T Z. Yeah. But what, what they're able to do, which is really cool because if, when you look at the voting process, um, it doesn't look like anything else in our lives. Why do I need to be here? Why do I, like, I'm standing, standing in line. line. 
I mean, the question is, if Estonia can do it, why can't we do it? Well, there's a lot of parallels between us and Estonia in in this quote-unquote Russian hacking. Always under attack from the commies. What votes did and what what they're able to um, pull off by way of this guy named Bradley Tusk, and we'll talk about him in a second, but um, super simple, right? It goes email address, name, selfie into a fingerprint scan, and that's the authentication process to cast your vote. which I think is absolutely fascinating. And I, I think part of the reason when you look at, I think you, you mentioned earlier, get off your ass and go vote. Mm-hmm. If you really want voter turnout, make it that simple. So that's really the thing, right? You think about it and there's a lot of, there's a lot to talk about. When you talk about digital democracy, there's get out the vote, right? There's disinformation in social channels, whether or not, you know, bad actors are putting their thumb on the scales mm-hmm. uh, in one direction or another. Um, there's a really good podcast recently. I don't, I guess, are we, are we allowed to promote other podcasts? Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So that Wall Street Journal's Future of That's Everything right. podcast is amazing. And um, they had one on this very topic and it was, um, uh, what was it? Uh, DEF CON. They were at the yep. DEF CON and all the hacker convention. And they had this guy out there who was, had a debold system that's very common um, in all of the different locations. Still and, active in 18 states. Yeah. Exactly. And he was showing how easy it is to hack the current system. Um, and he would do it over and over and over again. When you look at it, uh, the the discussion generally gets down to like what's great about democracy is also what's awful about democracy. In fact, I can't remember who said it, but like democracy would be great except for all the voters, right? Yeah, and right. so yeah. that, that I, I can't remember who said that, but it was, it was a famous. It just uh, presupposes so much. It does. Yeah. It, in in the reality is, you know, like powers returned as close to a grassroots level as possible. That comes with a lot of budgetary restrictions. It comes mm-hmm. with a lot of bureaucrats. It comes with a lot of city council inviting. Counties are in charge, things like that. So you think about how big the United States is. Let's let's take um, the sort of get out the vote and content discussions off the table. We just talk about actual vote security. And you look, we are the prize pig. We are that huge thing sitting out there to take shots at. And so we're relying apparently, or for lack of a better word, um, implicitly on a bunch of elected county officials to all hold hands for one day and all agree to do the right thing and secure the vote, which I think is asking a lot. So thinking about this, I think what's terrifying about it is the fact that we're the same people that are making decisions on whether or not this is a good idea and the technology and what exactly is blockchain and what do you mean by transparent ledger are the same people that were talking to Mark Zuckerberg on the Hill asking him how he makes money. Right? Yeah. And so <laughs> advertising, and, sir. And so when you, when you go through it, Send you it know, on. one of the things that they covered in the podcast is that uh, on the heels of the last election, $380 million were, was designated to improve the security of the voting system. Right. And that's the first step that's that's been taken, and that's, that's only it? that's one step. And here's what's really interesting, right? It's like they, a dollar per person. Yeah. They, they tried um, Democrats tried to add an additional 250 million, and that got killed um, because uh, who knows why. But what's interesting is like we do this kind of for a living, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. We build stuff and we make make sure people's things stay upright. It's an ongoing process. So let's say you spend that $380 million. If you don't keep spending that money... It's out of date the day that you launch it. The day you launch it. Because hacking's like steroids or drug tests, right? You can't defend against something you don't know that exists. So it's a sustained effort, which I... We got a ways to go. You know, I looked at uh, a bunch of different um, organizations who were talking about the future of voting. And there was like three themes that came out. There was this idea of accessibility that, you know, that's one of the key things that online voting, digital voting can, can really solve. There's reliability... 
Um, and then there's this ability to verify or uh, verifiable, right? I think what's interesting is like reliability and verifiable, like those are table stakes. Like they have to be in any form of voting. And I don't know that you could actually say that they're there today. We've had hanging yep. chads, right? Yep. We've had voter um, fraud, voter fraud mm-hmm. since the very beginning. I mean, there's a great story of, I, I think it was an LBJ election where, you know, uh, they would the give Kennedy people, election. well, they would actually in South Texas, they would actually give people one shoe when they went in to vote. And then if they could prove that they voted for the right <laughs> candidate, they give them the other shoe on the way. That's I mean, right. it's, there's, there's, this has been going on for forever. I think what's interesting to me though, is the idea of accessibility. And so it is very hard to get people to turn out to vote in most of the dollars. If you looked at the, what, $70 million that Beto's raised here in mm-hmm. Texas, you know, they say the majority of those dollars at the end, and um, some's going to go to blanketing TV, but most of it is going to be about getting out the, Get vote. Out the vote because that's where you the ground game is what what makes or breaks elections. This puts that at a different scale. It it makes digital uh, marketing savvy more important, but it does make it much more accessible. My question is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I think what you're looking at, a parody of that or something to, to parallel that would actually be. Um, music creation, right? Uh, very anybody can create something. Anybody can create it, right? And so what you have is this glut of music. So with the good, with the bad, right? So you have a lot more accessibility. You have a lot more talented musicians expressing themselves, but you have to weed through the sea of, of shit, right? And so, but I think if you if you ever don't want those three things that you talk about voting and you, and you ever don't want um, more people to have access, you're just a bad person, because then the onus is on us to right the ship and to not let them vote wrong information and things like that. I mean, it, it, the, the job gets harder to make sure that they vote right, but I think like purposely throttling voter traffic is pretty evil. The thing they talk yeah. about is the, the need to have a, a printed record, right? They, they, the experts. And that's what I think everybody's worried about with pure digital voting or pure mobile voting or whatever it might the be. The answer is both. It's a blend, right? Right. But the whole, the, it is, but what are the, like, is your iPhone going to like, you know, email you a receipt? Like well, that actually creates a public tra- transparency issue. The thing that keeps me up thinking about this isn't just um, the main elections, but over the last 20 years or so, um, activists from both sides of the political spectrum have become very good at influencing policy in off-election cycles, so referendums and things like mm-hmm. that. If you guys remember, Gray Davis got recalled as governor. That's a pretty profound thing yep. to go and actually recall yep. um, a statewide elected official like that. So you think about it, does this make that easier? And are we throwing accelerant on grassroots movements yeah. and off-election cycles that, that otherwise might you know cause? So is there a downside to, to, to it beyond just the security issues? And I think one of the things that I think about, I actually worked in politics for about five years right after college. Um, it actually worked on a presidential election. Who, who was that? In the, in the, I'm in not going to say. I'll say it was in the 90s, so you guys can keep guessing oh, about my ooh. age. Did he hold a pen? I, a they, all hold, they all hold pens. Did he gesticulate with said pen? <laughs> that might have that might have been. And around. the game goes on. Anyhow, the thing that we first focused on um, was to get out the vote, right? And we would go and we would like. So the, is this the, pre-Rock the vote? Remember that? This campaign? is this is about the same time as Rock no, the vote, right. right? Before the Rock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That's right. For that, but after Rock the vote, the um. <laughs> The thing we spent a lot of time thinking, like, how are we going to get people to the polls? This gets people to the polls instantly. So I, you would think, you know, like, 
if we launch it, are we going to be disappointed that people are still like, it turns out it's not about, it's hard to get there. It's like, they screw it. I just too lazy to click yeah, a button. Yeah. yeah. Or the, I, the registration yeah. was hard. The infinite scroll was like a yeah. lot of, well, and you, you said, you said, you know, it's, it, you're a terrible person if you don't want that. And I, 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 you know, I tend to agree with you. I think that everyone should have this opportunity and there's every year there's, there's talk about voter suppression. There's talk about, um, you know, accessibility. Um, but other people would tell you that, you know, the fact that you have to actually get off your couch and go means that you care enough to, you know, not just There's click a barrier button. To and when, and, and where, or what's to me a bit challenging or interesting is that with all the disinformation available, right? Say the day before something happens like on Facebook and a, a fake news story is spread and um, everybody has the ability to, to go vote. Right. You can, with the flip of a switch, you could uh, shift an election in a way that I don't think that you could today. So that, that part's interesting to me. The other part is, like right now, even though you can hack some of those systems, it's, it's I, I don't want to say it's impossible because I don't know that that's a, the case, but it's, it's pretty damn hard to sway the entire election, a presidential election, a national election, um, by hacking the systems as they are today because, frankly, they're so analog. Right. So yeah, there, um, there's and, a beauty to it. Yeah. You know, it would take more. But as things go completely digital and as you get that scale, all of a sudden it, it just opens up hole after hole after hole. And there's a lot of people. There's a, a you know, recent paper on West Virginia and the fact that blockchain, because it's so new, actually introduces more problems than it solves, um, even though it sounds like it's, you know, the end all be all technology. So it, it, it my question is, is it? Is it worth it? Is the convenience aspect worth the challenges? Are we being Luddites? Like, are, this is going to happen. Are we just, are we too early or are we just too scared? But, well, I, th I think we're approaching it with a, uh, you said end all be all, like a panacea, right? And it's like, so when I think about technology, I come back to access versus control, right? And the ability to remove the verses is always a good thing. But I do what does that mean? Um, I don't think it's a versus statement, right? It's, e it's not an either or. Mm -mm. Yeah. Right. And, and Removing the adversarial is, aspect. Is a fantastic thing to do, but it, it doesn't mean that it's um, a utopia or a panacea to whatever your problem is. And you brought up a great point with the barrier to entry to vote. I, I quite agree with that, right? So, you know, people always talk about voter turnout. To your point, like I'll say it not as articulate, but if you don't give a shit enough to go stand in line, then you don't deserve to vote. That's kind of what you said, right? No, not really. That was not my point. That was more of a question because a, I do a, think people believe that. And I think that um, it it comes down to today that is the case, right? And so people look at that as almost a calling or uh, a responsibility to get out and vote. But I, but I think but I think the convenience factor, we're presupposing that it will be as simple as liking an Instagram post. Sure. We can digitally design barriers to entry. Yeah. Actually giving somebody a quiz. Do you even that know what this person stands for? That would be interesting. I mean, we have entire apps that make you solve math problems before you can text somebody past but midnight. But if you look at that, we, we also had that in the South, right? When people yeah. couldn't read. And so True. that, you know, we, we had we had things Whole like time. that. And and so it it just I don't have the answer, but it introduces a whole nother set of questions that usually I'm saying this is an inevitable. We go all in, we, we break a couple of things with technology and everything tends to sort itself out. Yeah. This, there's a lot more to it. 
And this is one where I almost would advocate for tap the brakes a little bit, make sure we know what's happening and see where you go from there. So um, one of the things I think about, and this was a thought experiment we did a couple years ago, some friends and I, the assumption is because this voter turnout discussion, you always find your way to it. Um, Bradley Tusk, the, the billionaire who's piloting the West Virginia experiment, and we'll touch about him in just a second again. But um, I think he even assumes too, like that the un the vote the non voting public actually would probably split like the voting public. So if it's 50-50, if everybody had voted, they'd all go. And if you go and think back to the last ten election cycles, how radically different things might have been. If we if if it actually didn't turn out to be that way, if mm-hmm. there was like a big difference, and it turns out the non voting public people that you think shouldn't have their fundamental constitutional rights. I didn't say, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to have to no, no, add no, no, all no, no, said that. But, I said that. But, but, but would they break <laughs> that way, not. right? Like, would they have broken half and half for Gore and Bush? Or would they have been overwhelmingly Bush, right? I, actually, my money's on the fact that they wouldn't, that there's actually an unaccounted for distortion in public opinion. And the only reason I say that is I got a chance to work briefly with a guy named John Zogby, who was the first to think to include in his polling. There's a name drop if I've yep. ever heard one. Jeez. Yeah, he's a brilliant pollster keep, in Washington. Keep bragging, dude. But he was the first one to think to ask the question in the screener, are you a likely voter? It's before mobile phones were really, really big and jacked everything up. And that radically changed the optics of how we understood. They had been making all these assumptions all these time, like saying, do you plan to vote? No. How likely are you to vote? And all of a sudden, the response has changed overnight. And the, the forecasting got better. I think that what will be really interesting is if we can throw accelerant on the the actual voter participation, like things could get better. Well, so on that Zogby note, I will remind you that one of my favorite campaigns we ever worked on was the seven election campaign. That's where right. Seven eleven, the way you used to vote was you would pick a red coffee cup or a blue coffee cup, and th- we would tally all the results and we'd do it in real time and you could see a map, and in four elections i believe we more accurately predicted the outcome than zogby Mm -hmm. and rasmussen Uh, so john zogby yeah in in your anecdote real quick (laughs) quick question did you say the last 10 election cycles we were thinking like we're thinking back to the last election have you been alive for the last 10 i'm just trying to figure out your age like if you're around (laughs) have i been a voting age for the last 10 election cycles or have i been alive um but we, we touched on bradley tusk enough that just one more time to talk about what he's doing because I think he's he's absolutely doing it correct, and he's a, a a living example of what we're talking about, right? It's not a panacea, and you know we design and build things, but we test our way into it. We look for validation. So he is a millionaire, billionaire, early Uber investor. He's somebody with funds and means to do these things. He believes in technology, and and in the podcast, he's he's openly saying that this might not be it right, which is the right way to go about it and testing your way into it and actually trying to address through design, through analytics, the, the concerns that we have. Well, and putting his own dollars behind it, right? He put his own dollars behind it. So he funded the West Virginia experiment. It was it was a success. He's He feels that he has enough means for about 20 more pilots. And at that point, he feels it will be either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if it's a thumbs up, it becomes a government problem. And if it's a thumbs down, we need to rethink it. And I, I think he's doing absolutely the right thing. Does he own Boats? No. It's okay. a partnership. Okay. VTZs. <laughs> All right. Anything else on the, the hackable election? So the only um, hack we haven't talked about, the one that I actually may undertake myself, it's not about hacking the votes. It's about hacking the I voted stickers. I think if I can actually pull this off, people will be walking out of the polls with an I farted sticker that looks like an I voted sticker. (laughs) 
and they won't know until they've been told. And Ocean's I have, fourteen. I, exactly. I yeah. will have been the sticker bandit. So that, that's my that's on my bucket list. So seeing as how you've um, worked on ten campaigns, presidential campaigns, because yes. yeah, okay. I don't think I said that. Um, he was on the Dewey election. Yeah. <laughs> I was pulling for Truman. Damn it! I, I think I think what's funny is like um, the the general level of trust or mistrust of. Um, the electoral college that's happening, right? We're like we're just we're just assuming that if you give yeah, that's that's some bullshit. Well, well, which, which part? Say it. Which part? The the electoral college. Yeah, that's some dumb bullshit. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, it, so, so really I'm on my think. second beer. I'm having yeah. my Lo- London homesick ale, so I can say that James doesn't drink coffee either. It's all right. Um, but I, I, it's like to your. I think one of you guys made the point, or maybe both of you did, that just because it's easier doesn't mean any behavior is going to change. Yeah. Right. And we're assuming that oh, it's digital facial recognition. Guess what? Still not voting, right? Yep. That, that's a huge possibility. But it's also a huge threat. We don't have the answers in this room, certainly. Good conversation, though. Yeah, man. Fascinating. Bring it but up go your cocktail vote. part. No doubt. <laughs> go vote, vote however you can. <laughs> and if you're in West Virginia and don't live in the United States, I guess it was And Virginia. a military yeah. and absentee voter. Do it on your phone. Talk about a beachhead segment, man. How, Tweet your vote out. Yeah. <laughs> fuck it. How finite can you get? Um, all right. So next up, real quick, new segment we've got. We're about uh, 80% through the week a little segment called wait don't close that so we talk about a lot of things we think about a lot of things uh, most of it's total totally irrelevant but um, we have tabs up and the, the idea is is that they're up for a reason it's a reminder there's something interesting or fascinating uh, quick round table James what do you got up this week oh my god my favorite and then you got to close it right after that's the rule so my favorite is China's planning to launch its own artificial moon by 2020 there's Naturally. a couple I got up um, I got our, our boy Paul Allen Pour a little on the floor for him. Um, there's uh, some really cool stuff coming out with Call of Duty Black Ops. But China planning to launch its own artificial moon. Apparently, the city of Chengdu doesn't have enough light. Um, so they're not actually launching a moon. But it's a moon-like satellite that's going to redirect sun, kind of like a shitty James Bond movie. Look at my face right now. I, I'm telling you, man. Like that, that, like, You can't go that, wrong. I don't think... This is what I don't think what most pass? Westerners yeah. understand about China. Like... Their ambitions are so outsized relative to their population that they're we're like that's the crazy. What are they gonna affect the tidal waves? And they're like, oh no no, they're just getting started. Launching yeah. their own moon probably makes a lot of sense to you them. You ever seen the uh, the ghosted Disneyland of China? Yes, I have, and that's all those ghosted areas are fucking horrifying. We'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's fascinating, but I can just see the the ghost moon that nobody. Just plan for maintenance, yeah. and it's just this thing that's hovering, just floating around, <laughs> abandoned like a bad idea. Just like a crappy app you didn't yeah. want to keep up. I mean, I've got 14 foot ceilings that I don't feel like changing the light bulb. What yeah. happened to that thing? <laughs> well, you know what are you gonna do? It's sitting in orbit. You got anything else up on your tabs that you like? Yeah, that was the big thing for me. How about you? Yeah, I got I got a couple. There's um one Macy's ex, Macy's expands their VR furniture shopping to 70 stores, Ooh. which you know we hear a lot about this. We've done a lot actually in the space. That's the right. idea of virtual shopping and uh, but what you don't see is you don't see expansion because there's a lot of challenges. I think Brandon, you talked about it. One of the biggest problems of shared VR inside a retail environment is nobody wants to put on the nasty ass headset after the guy in front of them. So there's, there's all kinds of factors, but the fact that they are rolling it out to uh, 70 is uh, from everything I've seen is one of the largest virtual reality rollouts to date, which is pretty cool. Um, But the, the one that jumped out at me 
And James told me I was an idiot for talking about this, but well, I felt that way. I, so. think I probably said it behind your back. <laughs> spurred by convenience, millennials often spurn the family doctor. So forty-five percent of millennials don't have a primary care doctor. And uh, you know, James's take was, well, that's not really uh, that. I didn't have one either. But what I think is interesting is it looks like the trends are going up. And to me, this is more of a st- statistic about the future, which right. is services-based businesses or what used to be relationships. So think about your you know, your hairdresser, your doctor, your dentist. Um, it was you would wait until they had time and you would fill in on their schedule and you would go and you had a relationship with these people. These people, they knew a lot about you. But convenience is starting to flip that model quite a bit to where, frankly, right now, I just don't have the time to wait. And no. so I would rather trade off a better experience, a faster experience for someone who knows me, because at the end of the day, it's just easier. And I and I don't get something that's that much more tailored when I wait. So that one jumped out at me. I thought that was really interesting. What do you got, Brandon? Three things. Well, real quick, you ever use First Stop Health? I use it all the time. Yeah. It's amazing. If you guys don't know it, it's essentially um, telemedicine, right? So sometimes I'll get a doctor. I always ask them where they are. I'm pretty sure the, my first experience was with a guy who was laying in his bed. He was in Tampa, Florida, or Jacksonville, Florida, <laughs> and uh, diagnosed my, uh, you know, put the camera down my throat. He's like, oh, yeah. you, you got an infection. It, it's over at your Walgreens. It's amazing. It never takes me more than a minute and a half. Nope. To go through the entire process, and by the time I hang up, the prescription's already at the pharmacy. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, what I've got up is is a, a couple things, or a few, I guess, technically. So, like I like I mentioned, um, it's flooding in Austin, Texas, and in the hill country. So I've got a map of active floods and what's happening in the waterways and crossings, and the cameras are up, so you can actually peer in and oh, check wow. out like what's happening. Dude, in the I waterways. live across the street from one of those lakes. It's kind of frightening. Yeah, it, it's it's no joke, man. Um, and then. Looks like I'll be headed to uh, Austin's sister city, Toronto. Just kidding, it's not our sister city, but I am heading there. <laughs> Isn't that Montreal? So I've got a bunch of tabs up just about Canada because I've never been. I've always wanted to go, um, trying to just find my way through that city. But <clears throat> something came across uh, my desktop today: the Hemingway app, and essentially it is an app that um, will read your emails in near real time and tell you how readable they are essentially how full of shit they are on a scale of like one to five. And what it will do is it will highlight sentences or paragraphs that are nearly unreadable. And those are red. Um, Difficult to read is yellow. Hmm. Uh, Neutral is whatever it is. And then green is like a great sentence. So download it on my desktop. It's pretty sweet. Wow. Isn't that what Grammarly was trying to do? I like this better. So I use Grammarly. Yeah. I I quite like it. But this one is specifically, and this might be a targeting campaign, but they were like, make your emails suck less. And so it was a very Smart. specific email, say, like empower your sales, empower whatever you're trying to do. But Grammarly rolled out a tool where you can say what industry you're writing in and what the purpose of it is and how formal or informal do you want to be. So you can actually say, um, I'm writing for a business purpose and I want to be persuasive or I'm writing for a casual purpose wow. and I want to be viewed as an expert. Right. And you can actually put these throttles on it. So both of those are pretty cool. But not as cool as what made my week. I want to hear about what made y'all's, but I'll tell you mine. Real Why quick. don't you go first? You seem I'm pretty excited about rambling. this. I am excited. No, no, no. Keep going. So uh, Zozo, Zozo.com. They actually not, got not dot biz. Okay. Dot net. Dot nothing. <laughs> dot dot com, The old school dot com. Um, and they got me by Instagram. Okay. Right? They targeted proper targeting. Um, and what Zozo is is essentially custom made clothing for you. And the way that they do it. 
So for the low, low price of $0, you only have to pay $4 for shipping. They'll send you a Zozo suit. And that's essentially um, head to toe a suit that's covered in dots that allows them to measure your body. So it's tight. You download the app, you scan your body. And from that, they actually know your measurements. So I said, I'm this tall. I weigh this much money or weigh, weigh this much, weigh this much money. Uh, here's your suit. <laughs> and then what happens is, is after that, I log in and I order t-shirts, jeans, sweatshirts, and it's all custom fit to what they know about my body measurements. You know, I would be interested in is, is it really custom fit? Like how custom We're gonna do they get? It out. Yeah. So th this is a to be continued coolest I thing. Love that. Like I said, I just ordered it That's this cool. morning. Uh, That's awesome. Stay tuned. Gotcha. Did I ever tell you about my idea for a dot con? No, but uh, I can't extension? wait to hear it. Like, that, like instead of dot com, like you can track uh, former criminals because they have to use a dot con. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like my dot ogre speaking idea. Of too, human, too. Speaking instead of human of rights, James. Like, Jeez. no, these are all the thoughts that I have. No, what right made my week? I didn't think I was going to be this excited about it. Um, and I, I, I just can't stop. Um, I have on Audible Bad Blood the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, and I'm four hours in, and it is mind-bending. You've read this, right? Unbelievable. I just like I thought I kind of knew. I saw the 60 Minutes episode. Yeah. I saw all the news. I read the articles. I understood the gist. But it's, it's the worst She's the worst in, in the worst part, the worst, worst part of it where it becomes exponentially bad is Sonny Balwani is also the worst. They teamed up. They did. They, they, they team, are team worst. And then it's also comical. Yeah. Their, their evil has sort of a, a vaudevillian veneer to it with all of their Steve Jobs love that part where Steve Jobs dies and they're spending like stop the whole company so they can find an Apple flag and fly it half mast and they couldn't find one. So they had one made and it was, they, she was reading the Walter Isaacson book afterwards when everybody else was and they knew what chapter she was on by how she would act because she was trying to mimic i mean she's but the sheer the thing i don't understand man i get look everybody who's been uh on point for a new app or new technology or has been in a startup there's a certain amount of cheating that you have to just tolerate to get to market and we'll fix it on the back end but that's for things like freemium model utilities like oh yeah this will manage your grocery list okay well we'll get better with the pricing later like yeah. not by the way the cancer detection yeah, yeah you have ms yeah or by yeah. the way we're trying to get this out into the field in afghanistan to help wounded soldiers i mean and they they knew the whole flipping time they 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 knew and they and they just keep doubling down it's and then the worst part the, how this is like three dimensionally awful it wasn't just her and him and it wasn't just what they did to the people at the company because they were ruthless. They used every tactic they could to muscle people and intimidate them. But the ignorance and blind greed of the partner companies that they worked with, the Safeway and Walgreens, which is smart money. It was or supposedly smart money. Oh, God. It just, I'm only four hours in. There's seven hours left. Like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, how can this get worse? Apparently, it does. I, I, do, it like, does. I do like how you drop seven f-bombs by now and then in the 11th hour you say flipping yeah i caught myself i caught myself because i was like at some point my wife might listen it to is, this man it is kind of amazing though i got through that book and i i read the whole thing you read it on 1x uh, 1. yeah 5X? i'm doing a 1x see i'm a 2x reader reading so, with your ears yeah yeah reading yes yes with exactly. your ears, not listener your eyes. Yep. for those of you who are assholes at home <laughs> and brandon uh, but <laughs> but um i got through it in a in a day because I just couldn't stop. You can't it was, stop. It was amazing. My kids are like, Dad, I'm like, I can't hear you. I'm reading Audible. You know, anyway. <laughs> no. But uh, on the similar healthcare note, uh, I saw one that made my my week because I have a, a sister-in-law who uh, listens to the podcast. And uh, uh, if she 
like steps out of the house, she tears her ACL. She's done it like 160 times. Mm. And you know, this headline jumped out at me. Engineers develop a process to 3d print cells to produce human tissue, such as ligaments and tendons. Love it. And a uh, university of uh, Utah, some engineers there in the biomedical science group, they've found a new way to print 3d cells that produce human tissue, um, like a ligament or a tendon in a way that will greatly improve the process that you go through after you have a surgery. So uh, as opposed to right now, they actually have to go get that from other parts of your body or cadaver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and kind of like fuse this together in a Frankenstein way. They can actually, as I understand it, inject these tissues that are created and, um, supposed to greatly reduce the, in some cases, remove the need for surgery. Um, right now you, you hurt something, you might not be completely ready for a full ACL replacement. Um, they just kind of make you wait around and you know, it's going to happen, but it's not worth the surgery. So you can go back in proactively and start to reattach those. Um, I think that's pretty awesome because it talks about what's next, right? So those small, I mean, it's massive, right? But small things like that start to predict what else could happen and, and the idea of more preventative medicine and, and maintenance to the body. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Who is that guy? Who's the person uh, I mentioned? Uh, oh, who was my, my sister-in-law? No, no, Leslie? Didn't, didn't, didn't you mess? Hey, Leslie. <laughs> no, no, just a University of Utah biomedical team. Uh, I was thinking, it. I was thinking about hope that team was like stem cells. Shit. Hold my beer. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, I can't wait till I replace all of my body parts, man. Um, yeah, Season exactly. two, episode three, Cocktails and Questions. James, Ben, sound engineer, Austin. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, what a fucking time to be alive. Yeah. See y'all soon. See Bye. You. See ya.